Hey everybody, this is Art Kelly, and you're listening to the Friendmaker Podcast. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to these conversations here with business professionals and my friends who are committed to becoming the kind of people others want to do business with. I've been working on a resource for entrepreneurs and service industry professionals like you. It's a book called The Seven Spheres of a Friendmaker, and it's currently available for pre-order at www.friendmaker.org. You can check that out at your convenience. However, I don't want to waste your time with advertisements today, so let's just get started with today's conversation. Welcome to the Friendmaker Podcast. I'm here with my friend Chris Campbell, and uh, listen, I'm so super excited about this conversation, man. Like seriously, um, I've got we've been doing we've been having conversations for several years just about some of the things that I've been thinking about with regard to this whole thing. And um, if you're just joining us, um, Friendmaker is a concept. It's a business philosophy that I've come up with that. Uh, basically just teaches that the best thing that you can do with your folks and your business and your clients is just learn how to become friends with them. And, uh, and so, um, I thought the best way to do that to the podcast would just be able to invite my friends and let you speak into some of what we're, yeah. we're talking about here. So, yeah. um, I, man, if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah. that's where we'll start. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually one of Art's friends. So we'll start there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my name is Chris Campbell. I've uh, been a good friend of Art and Rebecca Kelly for, oh man, it's probably going right, on 15 years, 15 years yeah. now. And, uh, you know, we've walked through a lot of life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife, Lindsay, and my two kids, Caroline and Jude, are good friends with your family as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work for a, a company in Nashville called the Lampo Groups. People know it as Dave Ramsey's organization. And uh, what I do for a living is I help people get out of debt. Uh, through our products, Financial Peace University, Every Dollar, and then also lead a coaching team as well. Yeah. And so that's kind of what my business looks like. That's kind of what I do on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, uh, kind of the same way you're talking about art, you know, we focus on building relationships with people because where they are in their life, you have to be fairly vulnerable to tell somebody, hey, I got a problem. I need some help, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're a very relational organization that helps people you know, win with their finances, which is a very big topic for a lot of folks right now specifically uh, yeah you know there's so much going on with like the economy and mm-hmm. people are really worried about their money yeah you know that's right that's right well it affects everything right mm-hmm. the clothes you wear the coffees you drink yeah. where you go on a date night with your wife everything like that and so yeah it, it impacts every aspect of life uh but again it's like ah, oh, do i talk about that do i not you know and yeah. so yeah i mean you know it's it's like what you teach people right how do you mm-hmm. be relational so that those conversations become not so cumbersome and you can address the yeah. problem that people have. Now, you worked for a while with financial coaches and stuff out mm-hmm. there. Um, you work with a lot of folks that were business owners sure. of their own, doing their own small business and stuff. How, how, as you dealt with folks like that and as you've been working with, with people, um, how, how do you see most people getting clients, customers, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're looking at the economy, kind of starting to do this yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, and part of the, what kind of birthed this for me was 
how do I get business, mm-hmm. right? How do I get business? How do I maintain it? And how do yeah. I keep it along for the long haul? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just curious, I mean, just in your experience with people, how are you seeing people, what were some of the most successful ways that you saw people get more yeah. customers? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, to me, it starts with mindset, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, your mindset is absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, when you think about doing business or selling something, most people believe they're doing something to someone else. Yeah. You know, they feel like that uh, they're arm twisting, or I'm yeah. forcing someone to do something to do something they don't want to do. Right. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Right. That that's our first thought. Even when we think about the phrase of how do I get business? Yeah. So I got to go take something from somebody. And the reality is, if you can take a step back and think of like an apothecary scale yeah. and say like, okay, my rewards in life are in direct proportion to the service I provide. Yeah. So if I don't like my rewards, I need to increase my service, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Um, so if you're thinking about that and you say, okay, my rewards are down, how do I increase my service? Then you need to pile up on this other side of that scale a ton of service. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that looks like is meeting people where they are. So how do I, how do I go meet clients? How do, I, how do I help them with their problems? Um, is I've got to address their problems. Uh, one of my good buddies, uh, Jeremy Lee, has a great statement. He says, listen, if I can describe your problem better than you can, you'll naturally assume I have the answer to it. Mm. So often we go to the marketplace and we're like, here's my solution, here's my solution. Yep. And people can't see how that fits into the problems of their life. Mm-hmm. So if I want to uh, acquire clients and I want to help like gain business and solve problems, I, got to be, I actually have to be able to describe problems really well. That's interesting. Um, so as you go through the seven spheres of a friend maker, in, in all of the stuff that I've created here, the very first sphere that you begin is the listening sphere. And yep. how many people go into a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. and they have an agenda already yep. set out and laid out for them, yep. you know? And so walking into a conversation with somebody without having any of that, yeah. you start, right? Like that's helpful. Well, the great, like, I would say theologian and coach, Ted Lasso, <laughs> says, he, says, uh, he says, you know, you need to be curious, not judgmental. Judgmental <laughs> is not like, I think you're an evil human being. Judgmental is, I already know what you need. Yeah. I don't need to be curious. Yeah. And Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, all those guys say, I'm where I am in life because I was more curious than you are. I'm yeah. not smarter than you are. I'm more curious than you are. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Covey says, most people don't listen to understand. They listen to actually start crafting another response. Mm-hmm. It's all about them. It's very yeah. one-sided. Yeah. And to meet a person that listens is very rare. To meet a person in business that listens is almost like finding a ruby in your living room. Yeah. It's almost non-existent. Yeah. Again, because we're so solution-oriented, we're not trying to find the problems. And uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite books, The Prosperous Coach, uh, Rich Lippin talks about you know, there's heck yeses and heck noes, and we live in these heck maybe zones. And when you're talking to somebody and your, your solution does not fit them because you've asked the right kind of questions, you've listened to really what they're going on, yeah. you can go, you know what, man, I'm not right for you. Let's go with a no for today when it comes to me, but let me help you get connected with another person. It mm-hmm. gives you that clarity and it, gives, it removes that, that, um, that, I don't know what you would call it, almost like compensation uh, smelliness, <laughs> that, that I'm always chasing down the next deal. Yeah. And it allows you to be consultive in your selling and consultive in your business. Well, I would think too that like it would, um, it, it would endear you to people more if, if you, if you approach things that way, mm-hmm. like, you, you know, people don't think that you are coming in there with all of this already. I know everything yep. kind of mentality and yep. uh, that's helpful. 
questions are the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want to know people, I mean, you know, you and I, of course, go to church together. Uh, you know, in the Bible, Jesus was asked 183 direct questions, and only three times did he respond back with an answer. Right. <laughs> 180 times he said, well, "Let me ask you a question." <laughs> and the reason why he was doing that was not to trap them, but it was to get back to the root of what's really going on in their life. Yeah. Most mm-hmm. people don't know how to surface the real problem in their life. Yeah. They do smoke screens. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I'm over here and it's over here. And it's like, well, what are you really feeling? What's really going on in there? Mm-hmm. What do you really need help with? And again, that's where you go back to that Jeremy Lee statement of if I can describe your problem better than you can, you'll naturally assume I have the answer to it. And that's where we saw in those responses, even in the Bible, where people were going like, he teaches like no one else does. He's dealing with the root issue. No one else talks like that. Mm-hmm. That's what the world experiences as well when they meet a, a person in business that literally just steps right into it. So, so how do you, like, have you ever had somebody who says that you can do that? You're able to describe their, you know, their problem better than they have. But then, like, you draw a blank and you're like, I don't know how to fix your problem. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a... Sure. Because you hear people say, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what, do you, like, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing, well, dealing I, with clients and stuff? Yeah, well, if you don't know, it, it's actually okay to say, you know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, the smartest people know their boundaries, and they say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go find out. Mm-hmm. The point of getting to those stuck moments is actually a great learning opportunity. It's a teachable moment for yourself. Right. So it's like art. I mean, you just brought that up, and like, man, I don't, I don't know about that. That's great. In my business, I don't know everything yet, and I'm glad. Uh, I hope, I hope you don't encounter a lot of people in business that say they do. Yeah. Because that's where that judgmental side, the oh, Ted Lasso statement. Yeah, right? the arrogance there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Something bad's going to happen, right? Oh, yeah. oh, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I'll find out. And I'll get back with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get back with you tomorrow at noon. I'm going to find that out. Actually, three or four people I'm going to call. I'm going to research this. I'm going to give you an answer tomorrow. That's a refreshing statement. Oh, so it is. To say I don't know is not I, a bad thing. I, people, people appreciate humility. They appreciate um, authenticity mm-hmm. and and just honesty. And so, if you're in business and and you are being told "fake it till you make it," mm-hmm. you, you're not being given a model of of how to do this. That's that's right. That's got integrity behind it. That's right. So fake it till you make it is is not something I'd recommend. I think I would say this. When you run up against an opportunity, then you need to address that by learning. Uh, You know, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's Mm -hmm. okay. That's a learning moment. You'll never forget when you say, I don't know, and you go learn something and go help a client with it. The next time you encounter it, then you will know. Oh, yeah. So that's not faking until you make it. That's learning until you do it. Well, that's your learning and your growing in your business. You know, that's that's something that over the last six years in my real estate business, I remember when I first started, you know, I mean, there's just so much that's involved in a contract to close and trying to get clients. And like, there's so much that's involved in the whole thing. And so there... It, it's it's easy to get overwhelmed and feel like you have to be able to tell everybody everything that there is to know about that stuff. But people don't want you to just vomit all over them information, no. um, because you know it, it, it's not helpful to them. Right. And they, like you said, they really do want you to know um, where they're coming from and what's so, going, what's making them tick, and man, starting if, there. If you can unlock that, yeah. And most people who are in business already immediately go, well, that's not scalable. Right. You can't do that with everybody. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, here's the reality, then mm -hmm. scale something that doesn't work and you'll find out later. That's right. Right? <laughs> it's actually okay. Mm -hmm. Figure out how to serve people really well and then tend that garden first. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like do that super well mm. and then maybe you can scale it, maybe you can't. But scaling is not the only reason to do something. No, I hear that a lot and I feel like I feel like that's I, maybe just an American culture thing, mm -hmm. but we hear this idea of go big or go home all the time, sure. which it has its merits. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's definitely times when you're like, yeah, let's go bigger, but you know, be ambitious, go out there and create something big and awesome and do something big. Uh, and but like in my line of work as real estate agents, it's funny because we have this tendency. Uh, we go to these conferences and it's always the guy who went out and sold a hundred houses his first year or whatever sure. that gets to stand on the stage and it's the mm -hmm. biggest organization that gets to stand on the stage uh, and we're just we're obsessed with big yeah. um, and but at the same time like it's slow and steady that wins the race the tortoise always wins. Always. You know, uh, and yeah, it, you're exactly right. Now listen, we want to celebrate that guy that sold 100 houses because, right. hey, congratulations to you. You served the marketplace. Yeah. You met 100 people that, want, that wanted to sell a home and they chose you. I would yeah. like to know a little bit more about how they chose you. Mm -hmm. Do I need to sell 100 in order for me to be successful? Yeah. Probably not. You know, Earl Nightingale has a fantastic statement. He said, success it's the progressive realization of a worthy goal. Meaning if I'm working towards my goal, I'm by definition successful. Mm -hmm. And so my goal may be 50 houses. And that may be what works for my family, allows me to keep my sanity, allows me to provide for my family, allows me to be the, the man that I need to be, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So 100 is not successful to me. Right. You know, the, the, the numbers are not always, that's what I'm saying, the whole scale thing. Uh, did I enjoy serving those folks? Mm. Was I able to relax at night? Or was I, you know, without taking laps in the anxiety pool every night because yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta hit a hundred, gotta hit a hundred. Maybe I'm in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. Stay it that way, right? Yeah. You weren't built for that. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, as you scale and as things do get bigger and, and, and you need more, how do you do that in a healthy way? So let's talk about that. Uh, there's a difference in business between taking a transactional approach and mm -hmm. taking a relational approach. Yep. Um, and I don't necessarily want to pit them against each other. I think there are people that are really good at taking a transactional approach, mm -hmm. um, that, that prospect hard sure. and, uh, and, and are very successful in using that, that method of, of getting bit. What do you see the difference between a transactional approach and a relational approach in, in business? I think it actually first starts with like personality, mm -hmm. right? So I've met a lot of people who say, hey, I'm an introvert. And I could never be good at sales. Yeah. Right. I'm, I, that means if you don't know what introvert is, that, that that's like, hey, I, I don't like getting Not in a room. Outgoing. I don't like, yeah. Like, and I'm one yeah. of those people. I can mm -hmm. stand on a stage in front of a thousand people. Um, I can also go hide in the bathroom. Right. But the absolute worst case scenario for my personality is to stand in a room with 200 people and meet and greet all night. I do not want to do it. It's the absolute worst. And all my introverts are like, yep, yep. I know that one. Uh -huh. I know that feeling. The extrovert, of course, is like they love the 200 people. Right, they draw energy. They from. love meeting other people. Mm -hmm. They love standing on the stage. Hiding in the bathroom is worst case scenario for them. But yeah. I just said that's one of my top two. I can go do that all day long, right? Because right. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, you can spend all day long in the bathroom. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife thinks I can. Um, but it's one of those things where, and the reason why I bring that up is because there's a there's a mindset there. There's a mental hurdle yeah. that you, even before you get to transactional versus relational is that an introvert 
is all relational and an extrovert is pure transactional. Mm. Interesting. That a lot of times those two get attached to each other. Yeah. And so... Yeah, because you have the ability if you're extroverted to be able to go knock on a door or cold call or just, you know... On to the next one. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. And even when they're relational, they're relational to a point so they can get something done. Sure. Yeah. You know, an, an introvert can actually be a great salesperson that can go a mile deep with 10 people mm -hmm. and get amazing deals out of that. Yeah. An extrovert has to slow down and remove the transaction out of it so much so right. to where they don't come across. Like, I'm just trying to get to the next deal. That's true. They both can go a mile deep with folks. So you're right. You don't need to pit them against each other mm -hmm. because here's the reality. If you're in sales and you don't have transactions, you won't be in sales very long. Right. So you have to have a Yeah, you have to have some of the transactions. That's right. Yeah. And you and I were kind of catching up before we kicked off today and you know, when somebody says they, you know, they're transactional, uh, and we see people that like, why would you not follow up with somebody? Mm -hmm. You know, why would, because the funds are in the follow up. If somebody right. had an amazing experience, don't you want them to say, hey, did, you, did that work for you? Yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, most purchases come from somebody telling someone else, this is what I had. Like, you do that with a restaurant. Yeah. Your favorite restaurant, they don't pay you to tell everybody, but you tell everybody. Sure. Your favorite movie, you're like, man, you need to go see that. Yeah. Well, what about when you sell a piece of real estate? Man, that was like an easy, fun transaction. Right. They start telling their friends, well, who did that? Well, Art did that. Mm -hmm. You want that to happen. Yeah. And if you don't make that phone call back and say, hey, was that fun for you? That's did right. you tell anybody about that? Or tell me how that's going? Or who else should I be following up with? Did you enjoy it? And mm -hmm. if they didn't, there's feedback for you to get better. And if they did, there's business in there to go get. That's right. That's relational and transactional at the same time. Yeah. Yes, there's a reason why I'm doing it, and I also want to make sure you're good. I like that because it doesn't make them both mutually exclusive. It. it doesn't mean that you have to be transactional or relational, mm -hmm. but that you can be both. Correct. And that you just need to understand balance. And, um, so I've got a, a quote from my book. Uh, basically says that friendship is the foundation of all good business practice. Uh, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so let me take it to the coaching world, yeah. right? So coaching is, is kind of like that. They're both service-based industry. Mm -hmm. um, in a coaching world, you you need to be friendly, but you don't. You can't be friends. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why. Okay. Because you have to be you have to be able to say hard things. Sure. You have to. Someone is paying you to look at their blind spots and say you're missing it. Mm -hmm. And a coach will tell you tell you things that no one else will tell you. They'll say it in ways that no one else will say it. Yeah. And they'll help you get ex experiences and results that no one else will get. So if you can, I, and you're the expert in this, in real right. estate, can you do that? Can you say the things that no one else says? Mm -hmm. Can you have the hard conversations that no one else will have with them and help them get results that they couldn't get on their own? There's definitely a, there's definitely a, a hard line that it's it's difficult to cross I think if you're if you're if you're dealing with a friend mm -hmm. it really depends on the relationship the nature of that relationship right so mm -hmm. like I can say hard things to a friend mm -hmm. uh, if if I think that I have laid the groundwork with them of trust so that uh, that they can they can take my advice and listen yeah. to it and not get kind of butthurt if they don't take my yep. advice you know yep. But but you're right. I think that like if you're in a if you're in a coaching type of relationship, it's kind of like a therapist. Mm -hmm. You don't want your therapist to be your friend, right? You know what I mean. So I would so, say that yeah. statement right there. Then I'd say it, it, it depends. Depends on the business. That's right. Right. Depends that's, on what kind of business you're in. That's exactly right. So mm -hmm. here's a scenario, right? Art, my house is worth a million dollars, and you would go, 
Is it? Is it? <laughs> well, right. I mean, right. You've got to. Well, here's the reality that you've got to address that with me. Right. Right. You've got to be able yeah. to look at me and say, Chris, it's not. Yeah. And you're going to have a bad, such a bad problem if you don't. Well, you know, and that's where we're at right now in the real estate market. I mean, if we're talking about, that's kind of my my wheelhouse. But I think if we're talking about setting proper expectations with people, mm-hmm. being in relationship with them at the same time, being able to have established an inroad of trust uh, with that person from a relationship standpoint so that they will actually hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think, you know, people are going to make their decisions to do what they want to do, whether you're their friend or not. Um, and so, so yeah, as we're talking about the French, friendship being the foundation of all good business practice, I, th- I, think, I think you're right. I think there is a sense in which there's a, um, it, it depends a lot on the, the kind of business that you have. Yeah. Um, now, I could, I could say if you mean by friendship integrity, right? Right. That, mm-hmm. that, because you can be, have integrity and say, I'm going to tell you the truth all the time. Yeah. Right? As mm-hmm. your friend. Yeah. Um, if, we can, if, if we can operate from that, Pat Lincioni in his uh, book, you know, uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, uh, the, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah, yeah uh, Five Dysfunctions. Just came of, out, that's a new one. That. <laughs> the five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat He's going to listen to this and he's like, right. I can't believe you didn't remember you my did book. Not do it right. <laughs> um, but he, he says, you, and you said it, the five stages are trust, mm-hmm. healthy conflict, commitment, accountability, and results. Mm. And like that's kind of the stages, right? So the yeah. trust is really the key. The the integrity is where, and that's running a team, that's running a business, that's running a transaction, that's working with a customer. Yeah. If I don't have their trust, I can't do healthy conflict with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most people, when they hear conflict, they always hear it as confrontation. Well, and here's let's let's just let's just set the record straight. Just because you're friends with somebody doesn't necessarily mean that you can't ever have conflict with them. Sure. In fact, I think that the best and deepest friendships are the ones where you are able to have differences, work through. I think that's what's that's a cultural problem that we're in these days, right? Where we don't have people that have the ability to still maintain friendships and relationships with people because they disagree on certain aspects or issues of whatever it is that they're dealing with you know and if you think about that statement right there that may be the reason why people can't get business then mm. the same way they the way they want to well if trust you know and maybe maybe we we go with pat on this one trust might be the foundation of all good business practice maybe right or trusting relationships yeah you know yeah uh, maybe add trust. have a qualifier there at the beginning of friendships yeah. because i think that it is true i think that what what people are really struggling with with business right now and I think for years has been is trust do I trust salespeople yeah do I trust um, the government do I trust my family members do I trust my church leaders I mean we're constantly being challenged as to whether any of the authority structures that we have yeah. ever been a part of actually are trustworthy man and, that, that's so good right there uh, I was I had a, a branding conversation with mm-hmm. our kind of like senior vice president of branding the other day. Yeah. And he's like, people don't trust brands. People mm-hmm. don't trust companies. Yeah. They always think they're out to get them. They do trust people though. Yeah. And when a brand <laughs> has a person or a voice, yeah. we trust that. Mm-hmm. Because we go, because uh, uh, you know, a Nike d- doesn't send you emails. Right. Somebody on their email team does. But mm-hmm. they built this brand and they've actually talked about this internal voice Right, and so it's the same thing. If you're running a business, 
your voice needs to come through because they need to trust you. It's not your name. That's right. It's not, it's not how your creative marketing is. They trust the human being. And the minute you violate that, you've lost it. Oh, I think we're, I think we're so advertised to that we don't want, uh, we, we're, we're just tired of people just shouting at us, buy this, do this, act this way. And so the knee-jerk reaction for everybody has become, I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. Yeah. And so I feel like with with Friendmaker, I feel like with this with this brand. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the brand, right? Right. I mean, I think well, yeah. like you're saying so hey, it's, it's, that's it's right. Your voice is coming through. So it's so funny because like, and part of what's been going on for me is I've created this podcast and created this whole brand or whatever you want to call it, this idea, mm-hmm. and this book, and everything that I've got coming out is about two years ago um, I, uh, I was it was we were right in the middle of the pandemic and uh, and I was just looking at how how I was doing my business uh, I was really kind of, I was very much more swinging towards the transactional way of doing things at the time and uh, and but I was using a lot of impersonal means and methods which again it's not necessarily a right or wrong thing but for me it didn't feel true to who I was yeah. and um, and then, uh, and then out, kind of out of that was birthed this idea that, that what do I actually do as a, as a business person? Like, do I really just sell houses or help people buy homes? Do I really, you know, is that my thing, just whatever my business is? Well, that's really my job, right? Like, my job is helping yeah. people contract to close. But, but my business is people. Mm-hmm. If I chase transactions all the time, I'm going to find myself frustrated over time because all I'm doing is chasing transactions all the time. Uh, But when I started to chase after people, there was a big aha moment for me came when I was looking at where my business was coming from. And I just, I was doing some, uh, just looking back and tracking through all of my past business. And I realized 90% of the business that I had had come from either a friend or a referral from a friend. Mm very little of my business. Some of it had come from my cold methods. And so it didn't mean that I needed to completely stop doing those transactional methods. But I realized I was spending most of my time trying to get business through transactional means and not focusing in on my relationships. And so uh, so then I just started to focus on people and yep. started making friends. I even put it on my business card. When people get my card, the first thing they see is not realtor, it's friend maker. Yeah. So I put it on there. And so I had to live with that mm-hmm. for a little while and test it out and sure. try it in my business. And as I would hand my card to people and have the conversation, I got a lot of laughs. You know, I got a lot of people like, oh, that's funny. You're a yeah. friend maker, you know. But I realized that's actually what I am. I make friends professionally. Yep. Uh, and then every once in a while, one of my friends calls me and says, hey, I'd love for you to help help me with a house transaction or they send me one of their friends family co-workers neighbors whatever and so um, so yeah I, I feel like that but establishing the trust through focusing in on people yeah instead of just throwing my brand out there right like no I mean I'm, I'm a benchmark agent here in the middle Tennessee area but and benchmark has a reputation for being a solid company and I really love having wearing their name over top of mine I have to it's part of the Real estate code or whatever. But but at the end of the day, you know, if I decide to move to a different company or move in a different or start my own brokerage or that, people will follow me. They will not follow that brand. Right. And 
So, um, so yeah, I think that's a that's very very powerful. Yeah, you know, I, I think what I what I heard you say um, is that you were doing business a certain way, and it didn't resonate with who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think, in no matter what you're selling or what you're serving in, you've got to be able to sleep at night and look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. Yeah. And if you can't do either one of those two things, you're going to have a rough life. Again, you're going back to the laps in the anxiety pool. Mm-hmm. Because then you're like, it just feels so against the grain of who you are. Right. Now, again, I'm assuming that you can clear the mental hurdle of that conducting business and sales is not a bad thing. It's, it's, hurt, it's helping people. It's not doing something to someone. Sure. Right? So you can do anything and serve people and make money at it as long as you can sleep at night and look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. And that's what I kind of heard. You had this moment of crisis where you're like, this is not the way that I want to do it. This is going against who I am. You didn't stop transacting. Mm-hmm. You didn't stop doing real estate. You didn't stop making money. Actually, you figured out the way that fits you and who you are. Sure. And it became natural and it wasn't weird. I've watched you, I've engaged with you. Yeah. And I would assume that your business went took off. Oh, it's doubled every year since I started doing that. All you did is you went, you stopped going against the grain. Mm-hmm. And you said, well, this is who I am. I love how you also said you took an inventory of your activities. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? I'm doing all these activities. You know why? Because somebody probably told you to do that. <laughs> so you were like, I'm going to go do this. It was probably you. I'm yeah. sure it, was it may have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, go do this. Go do this. Go do this. And it's like, okay. And then you started taking inventory and said, man, I'm spending 90% of my energy, but 90% of my results come from this. Right. And all you did is say, I'm going to stop doing this. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing this. Yeah. And that's why your business started doubling. And, you know, and that's, there's a good lesson inside of that. Number one, know your numbers. Pros know their numbers. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, don't go against the grain. Again, mm-hmm. if you feel like you're doing something to someone, you even, even the way you describe those activities, mm-hmm. it wasn't the same way you described these activities. It's true. You know, and so people know that. And so as you're helping people or people are utilizing the friend maker, you know, you've got to think about that, mm-hmm. um, that, Look at your activities, know your numbers, step into the things that are natural for you. Uh, don't get into the comfort crisis. Well, this is comfortable. That's why I'm going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a scene in Joe Dirt. Remember the old movie Joe Dirt? Oh, yeah. The, the guy's selling at the, at the fireworks stand. He goes, I like snakes and sparklers. And he's like, but no one else does. You know, so you're going to have a bad problem in business. You know, it's not about you. It's about That's the right. So you got to make sure you don't go down that path too far. But the way you did it was you said, this is what the consumer yeah. wants and this is what fits me. And man, that goes like a hand in a, in a glove. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It fits perfect. Yeah. And it's like, there you go. And that's why you don't feel this angst anymore. Mm. You know? All right. So um, before we met um, today, well, not 20 years ago, but just today. Uh, so, so I've created this little kind of like a personality test, yeah. whatever you want to call it, typology for spheres of the friend maker. And so... Yeah. Uh, and if you're listening, you know, I encourage you to go to friendmaker.org. That's where you'll be able to find the survey. We're actually working on getting that. Maybe by the time this publishes, you'll have a digital copy. So digital version of this, you can go in and put in your own, answer the questions and figure out which sphere you actually uh, are strong in, where you're weak at. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you took that little yep. inventory, um, where, where, where did we land? I don't, you sent, you sent it to me last night. Yeah, and I, didn't I landed it. Over it to uh, well, I know my, I know my number. I'm a, I'm yeah. a three on the Enneagram. Okay. So results yeah. and like, like numbers all yeah. matter to me. So you, know? you were like super excited I like, when I, I got like, the oh, survey. What is my score? <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I landed at a hundred, uh, 152. Okay. Which, you know. So you're I, above the 140 number, which makes you a friend maker. I text, uh, yeah, so I texted that to Art and I was like, I'm a 152. He goes, and I, I was like, I'm a friend maker. He's like, barely. You know? <laughs> 
you're on the low end. Yeah, you're on the low end. There's like 180. You know? down a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I took that and just yeah. kind of wanted to see, you know, where you are and, yeah. and you know, see where I am. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and as you're taking it, I think one of the things that we we always overestimate ourselves, yeah. you know, and we underestimate the uh, the need to get better. Right. Right. And so as you're True. taking it, there's going to be this propensity to, I think I'm better at that than I am. Mm-hmm. And if you can really step back, detach, take a little inventory and be honest in yeah. that, in that survey, I think it will reveal, um, uh, some really good growth points for you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I heard the statement one time people see in life, they see two things good. There's two different types of people. Good. People who see good things and bad things, and people who see opportunities. Mm-hmm. And you can take this and easily go, "Man, I'm not great. I'm right. not a friend maker. I'm not the type that Art's talking about." Or you can say, "I'm not." And here's an opportunity. Right. You know, follow the rest of the book. Don't just take the survey and be like, "Okay, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. That's not my personality." That's right. Again, good lord, how much have we leaned into? That's just not who I am. Mm. It's like great. No, I, maybe I'm, you should change that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel <laughs> I'm I'm very very firm believer that you create the future that you want. Right? Like you, um, you if you have a dream and a desire for your life, then you can uh, you can change your your stars, so to speak. Remember, uh, Knight's well, Tale. You know? here's, well, here's the reality: you are the sum total of your choices. That's right. Period. So, if that's the case, if I am from the past, then I can do change. the change. Yeah, I can yeah. change in the future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't. And again, some people are like, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on something for a second. Okay. okay? But you know, in today's society, we are, we love victim mentality. Oh, yeah. Because victim mentality abdicates your role as a freaking human being to take responsibility and make a different choice. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't. Well, yeah. I can't. Well, I come from this area. Well, I look like this. Well, I'm the wrong gender. Well, I'm anything and everything. Right. It's all, if everyone else's fault except for mine. Mm-hmm. And the voices that are kind of crying out right now that I love to listen to the most are the ones that are saying, Raise your personal excellence. Raise your personal responsibility. Take ownership, and even take a step in the right direction. Yeah, you know, and you know, you can't blame everything and everyone else. You got to look at yourself and say, uh, "What do I need to what do?" Was it Jim? Jim Rohn says, "Don't wish that um, things were better. Wish you were better. Get better." That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's very difficult. And people, when they hear responsibility, what they hear is blame. Mm-hmm. Like you need to take responsibility for that art. You eventually go. Well, I gotta admit that I'm wrong and well, I'm you, bad. You said you, so like yeah. immediately I felt attacked. Right, but the reality is, it's like no, no. You're the only person that has the ability to change mm-hmm. it. Taking right. responsibility is grabbing the bull by the horns and taking it a direction, yeah. a different direction. Mm-hmm. You may have to say, yeah, I messed up. I took a wrong road or whatever. But we all hear taking responsibility is all blame. Sure. And so as you're working through this framework and stuff, mm-hmm. you're gonna find some areas. And even myself last night, it's like, dang, dang, you know, flashlight yeah. on some five. I'm like. I'm not too great at that, you know. <laughs> so let's talk so, about that. Yeah. What did you? What was your strength? What was your big your sphere? Where, uh, where did you find? Do you remember your number? Was it me, six? Yeah, I think number six, the, the sphere of leading. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, by leading their clients, salespeople communicate an attitude of high quality service. You know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I um, in in the in a world where there's not someone leading, I'm just going to go grab it. I'm right. going to do it. Sure. You know, uh, if you don't make a choice, I'll help you get one. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and yeah, and that's. So you're a doer. Is that what you're I saying? am a doer. I am a doer. Uh, you know, and as I try to mature more, I've 
I try not to attach my identity to that doing. That's right. right. So, so interesting side note. At the beginning of the book that I've got coming out here in January, um, there's a uh, there's a guy that I read several years ago. His name's Mike Breen. He was a he's a he's actually a pastor from England, like the Church of England, like the biggest church in England. He created this this story, this thing called the Building a Discipling Culture, and he talked about. Um, there is a he used these these life shapes to mm-hmm. describe how people are formed, and one of the life shapes is a semicircle. And the semicircle, uh, there's there's the B side, and then there's the do side. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, um, you know, he doesn't mention this, but remember the movie Batman? Oh, yeah. uh, the Batman Begins with Christian Bale. Oh yeah. Arguably the best Batman. You think so? Huh? I, I like okay. it. It was really good. I'm more I'm I'm of a Keaton guy. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> okay. so, but that's I mean, fine. Keaton, you know, you can, hey, listen, very Art, good. You can be wrong. Hey, it's this okay. is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is my podcast. My Batman. <laughs> that's right. My podcast, my Batman. Um, anyway, so there's a, there's a moment in the Christian Bale, best Batman, uh, where he is playing in the fountain with these models, supermodels at this hotel or whatever. And as he's walking in or walking in the, you know, and they're all still, you know, they're all just sopping wet from playing in the fountain. His, his love interest, Rachel, kind of wa- is walking out as he's kind of walking in. And she sees him and he sees her and he's embarrassed because, you know, he's being immature or whatever. And, uh, and she looks at him and she says, um, it's, uh, he's like, this isn't me. You know, it's, it's not me. And she says, it's not who you are on the inside. It's what you do that defines you, which sounds really great, right? Right, like, right. A, and it, and and, it, and of course, it puts him in his place in that moment, and you're like, yeah, she got him, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but that is, it's actually wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like that kind of thinking is that it's it's what you do that defines you. Um, being a doer, like you said, you know, yeah. being a doer. This book, this concept of friend making. There's a lot of sales concepts out there about the nuts and bolts of how to develop sales skills, sure. how to do the actual work, how to be a doer. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of stuff out there, sure. and uh, and and I'm I mean I love, like Brian Buffini is a big he's a big doer. He teaches and gives people systems and plans. Tom Ferry's another big real estate guy. Uh, there's Ninja Selling. I mean, there's a hundred different really great great ones. Um, this is about being the kind of person that other people will want to do business with right so that when you do those things those nuts and bolts things it it flows out of something that you've been cultivating in your being yeah. you know what i'm saying your soul and uh and so so yeah i think and that's where this kind of comes from the idea of sphere of leading and uh, you're you're leading your clients you're good at what you do you're skilled at what you do um, and but that comes from a place of genuine um, desire to really help and serve those people and that's where this the, the leadership that's why the high the attitude yeah. of service there you know what I'm saying? yeah you know you mentioned Buffini a second ago and he he has this statement of the necessary nudge uh-huh and and again everybody's hearing that they're like ha, see salespeople push people <laughs> yeah. no 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 it, it's one of those things that the necessary nudge is the fact that most people have a very uh, hard time making decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I mentioned um, Rich Lipman earlier. I'm, I'm going to talk yeah, adult. I really like his talk stuff. adult for a second. Sure. He, he says 
he goes, you know, you live in hell yes, hell no. Yeah. Hell maybe is hell for everyone. Right. That's True. where most people live. Uh-huh. It's the comfort crisis. Yeah. It's where people are because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't have to make a decision. A no is, is amazing clarity. Yeah. Desire can build in a no. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. And so, like, when I'm talking about maybe, leading... Maybe it can. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, but it's, but it's one of those things where, like, if you're leading a client and if they're not making a decision, mm-hmm. uh, and I've done this with, like, high-level executives, I'm like, let's go with the hell no for today. Yeah. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. Great. Where do you want to go now, then? <laughs> you're moving them. You got to right? make them, yeah. You're, yeah, it's that prickly and, pro- and, and, and prodding of going, hey, like... You're not going to, you know, and listen, I bet there's people two years ago, they're like, well, I'm going to wait on the market to do this, this, and this. And you're like, my friend, <laughs> you don't doing? do this. Don't yeah. do this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and Buffini, I was listening to him just yesterday. He goes, I've sold condos to people for 127000 that are worth 800000 now. And I remember <laughs> doing the necessary nudge to them you know, years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and look how much money they've made. Oh, yeah. And they go, thank you. Uh-huh. That's one of those moments where you're working with a client and they look at you and if you follow up with them, they could say, dude, you changed my life. That, and I think that's where you're, you're moving into the sphere of leap where you're risking for client. You're risking the hard conversations with people yep. for their benefit to help them be able to be nudged. That goes back to your statement earlier. Is mm-hmm. that the is, friendship is the foundation. And when we're talking about can you have those difficult conversations? Yeah. Can you? And the question is, why wouldn't you? Right. Uh-huh. If you really believe it's in their best interest and you can show that they're going to win out of this, mm-hmm. you know, here's the reality. In that moment I just told you about with Buffini selling a $127,000 house, yeah. he won, but who really won? Right. They won massively. Sure. Whatever commission he got over here was nowhere near what they will get in rewards. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's what we go back to that apothecary scale. Mm-hmm. Your service is in direct proportion to your rewards. If you don't like your rewards, increase your service. Increase your That's service. Increase the service. The rewards for the customer comes over here. What are they going to tell people? We need eight, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars off our house. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Brian pushed. Brian did the necessary nudge, Mandy. Yeah. We weren't going to do. We it, had that we hard it. conversation years ago, and now here we That's are. It. Here we are. Well, I think on the other side of the transaction, oftentimes, if if we're if we're maybe if you're looking at your relationship with your client right now. Mm-hmm. You may not see a friend, right? You may not. See, it may just look like a business transaction. On the other side of the journey, mm-hmm. getting through the process, and of course, with what I do as a real estate agent, you know, it's a thirty to forty-five day, or sometimes three or four month process, depending on how long it takes for them to get where they're going. Right. On the other side of the transaction, I think you find the friendship sometimes after you go through sure. taking people through the spheres of friendship. Um, and so the friendship being the foundation, they didn't know while you were leading them through the transaction that friendship was actually happening. Mm-hmm. That becoming a friend is is a process. It's yeah. not, you don't start out friends with your clients. You, know? you don't start out buddy-buddy with people I think a lot of people walk into their relationships with their clients thinking, oh yeah, I can be buddy-buddy with this person, and then never setting or laying any proper expectations or foundation of, hey, these are the kind of conversations we're going to have in the next few months. That's right. If you don't set your people up for the, the stormy weather that's about to come and you tell them it's just going to be a smooth sea all the way through, you're, you're not doing well for your clients. Right. But on the other side of that, after you've taken them through this, this, uh, 
the rough seas, so to speak, you find on the other side of that, you have a friend in that client. And if you stay with that person long after you make that sale, yeah. then you actually end up having not only a friend out of that client, you also have a source of referrals for mm -hmm. yourself and future business because you have really shown these people that you love them, you mm -hmm. care about them, and that you really want to keep staying with them. Um, yeah, you, yeah. You, you just reminded me of something like in the military, right? Like how, you, you see these guys that uh, they were in the military together and they went to war together and they're amazing friends, mm -hmm. right? They went through something. Uh, going through things with people actually helps build the relationship, right? Yeah. You, that process that, you know, you of course you want it to go smooth, yeah, but reality says it probably won't. Yeah, and going through that is a good thing because that's where you get to like really learn about each other. I mean, when's the last time you met two veterans? They're like, man, we'll tell you something, dude. Boot camp. That's where we. <laughs> that's where it all was good. Yeah. Now that they go, we were in a foxhole. <laughs> yeah, didn't think we were gonna make it, and this uh -huh. dude showed up and like yeah. worked through things together, and then we're lifelong friends. Well, I now. feel that way about you and our families. Mm -hmm. You know, we've spent that time together yeah. over the last several years. You know, y'all have had some stuff going on, sure. even recently with yeah. your wife's father and. Uh, remember your grandfather passed away. If you, my mm -hmm. wife's grandmother passed away not long ago. We've all been through a lot of stuff together, yep. and so we're um, we're living in that actual reality yeah. in our own relationship, you know, as friends. And um, and there's a I, I posted it on Instagram the other day. There's a shirt when we were in Apalachicola last week that I saw. I don't know if you saw it or not. It was a it's a picture of a, 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 a captain's wheel, and it says uh, smooth seas. Never made skillful sailors. Yeah, that's right. And I, I would argue that that's the same thing in, in relationships. Smooth seas don't make solid relationships. Well, and I think that's where you would say a transactional person, tying it back to what you said earlier, a transactional person only wants easy deals. Right. They only want things to go. It's, it's like going up to the self-checkout. It's just mm -hmm. make it as easy as possible. Yeah. And then I want to move on. Mm -hmm. And here's the reality. The more easy transactions that you're working through is number one. You're probably the turkey, uh, turkey in a tornado moment. Right. You're just you're just getting caught up. You're not a great yeah. salesperson. You're just taking orders. Yeah. Uh, and the other people, they have no expectation of you. There's nothing there. And then that way, you know, you never follow up with them to get referrals. You know why? Yeah. Because it really didn't. You didn't do anything. You're you actually didn't have you, to. You yeah. escaped with commission. <laughs> right. You didn't earn that. Yeah. You just you uh -huh. took an order. Mm -hmm. It's the ones that you're in reference to that's like, man, this was difficult. We worked through, and I remember you shared a few of your stories with me. Those people are going to be with you for life, man. Yeah. And if they have a realtor problem or a situation, they're going to call you. Well, because, I'm convinced. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I am very convinced that there, there is. We're in a recession. No, we're in a recession. Okay. Nobody wants to say it, but listen, we're in a recession. Okay. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, turn off Fox, turn off <laughs> CNN right, right now. <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah. I feel like we're in a recession. You know why it feels like that? Because you are, you are in one. You know what I'm saying? It's like, good Lord. Somebody say it. it yes. Honest, yeah. good. Maybe we are. Maybe we're not. Yeah, that's yeah. the maybe. I need your votes or we're not. I need your votes so we are. Yeah, you I know, think we're going to find out after Election Day, oh, we're in a recession. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, and I feel like with all that being said, knowing that, you know, and heading maybe further south, right? Like sure. heading for sure, you know, there's... Uh, and there's real families, real people, people that are listening to this that are that are experiencing the financial hardship that this next couple of years is going to yep. is going to have. Um, I am convinced in my own business, and part of part of my fear, uh, and I don't want to say fear, but probably is fear. It's okay. Uh, yeah. As I look into the future, as I listen to the voices that are out there, um, at times my fear sometimes is 
is what I'm telling everybody about building relationships and having friends with everybody. Uh, because I believe deep in my soul that when the proverbial crap hits the fan sure. over the next couple of years, if things do get tough, it's mm -hmm. going to be my friends that are going to carry me through this next sure. few years because my friends are going to continue to refer business to me. People are going to continue to buy and sell homes. 100%. People are going to continue to buy and sell goods and services, products, services, anything that you provide out there. So if you're a financial advisor, people are going to be trusting you for your advice, even if they don't have any money to give you. Uh, if you're an insurance person, people are going to still be purchasing and paying for car and life and home and auto and health insurance. Well, auto is car, so anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so those things are going to still continue to happen. So I, I have this firm belief that uh, that my friends, my relationships, this group of people that I have been pouring myself into over the last few years, staying in touch with long after I sold yeah. their homes and stuff, that they will continue to throw business my way as they do stuff. Um, but my fear is... Uh, is as it's being tested out. Because in the last five years, I mean, I got in real estate six years ago. Sure. So I've been riding the wave yeah. of a really great economic, you know, high. Yeah. And so, but I have been building, uh, there's a great book, Harvey McKay, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. Yeah. And the idea is to build solid relationships with people so that when things go bad and you're thirsty, it's not an awkward conversation for you to call somebody and ask for help if, that, if it's necessary. Yeah, you just said something. Uh, you know, we have this thing called recency bias mm. that we all operate in. Um, and recency bias is if we look at the last 30, 60, 90 days or a year, mm -hmm. and that's how we make our decisions. Yeah. Um, I want to take a little time travel, take you back to 2011, 2010, and everybody's like, oh man, I should have bought that condo. Oh man, like the rich just keep getting richer because they buy things when things are down. Yeah. You know, if you live in the north, you know when you buy a snowblower in the summer because no one's buying them. Right. <laughs> you know, even Warren Buffett, everybody's like, oh, he's rich. And it's like this. He goes, yeah, because when everybody gets greedy, I get fearful. When everybody gets fearful, I get greedy. Yeah. Uh -huh. They just do the opposite of what everybody else does. Uh -huh. And, you know, when you're thinking about your business right now, recessions and, and I said this earlier people there's two different people I see only good or bad and the second group see only opportunities mm -hmm. so be it that we're going to go into a recession right there's gonna be major opportunities uh, Warren Buffett says it's when the tide goes out you can see who's skinny Everybody's dipping naked, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can see who's been skinny dipping uh -huh. and here's the reality there's gonna be real estate agents that have been massively transactional and they're not gonna be in real estate anymore yeah and there's going to be businesses that were massively transactional. They won't be in business anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, we've had 11 recessions since 1954. Okay? Mm. It's, it's going to keep happening. Sure. It is the natural self-selection of business. Mm. It is the churn of capitalism that works. Yeah. Because you want that. It cleans, it's like a storm that comes through. We always think of storms as bad thing. No, it cleans the air. It knocks out dead branches. It does yeah. everything. You know, even this devastating storm that was down there. Uh, you know, I was with my family last night. My mother-in-law grew up on Sanibel. Mm. Sanibel is a barrier island. Right. Now, I have massive empathy and sympathy for those folks, but barrier islands are there actually to protect the mainland. The yeah. storm surge hits that first. 
weathers that down and it doesn't hit the mainland as hard. Sure. There's just people having to live on there. So now. if you just decided to build your house on the sand. If you decided you to build your house on a barrier <laughs> island, and, you know, and so yeah. what I'm trying to say is like storms and things like that are natural. They clean the air. They clean the dead branches. They do things. Recessions do, do the same. I just spit everywhere. No, Rece- recessions. I'm not going to drink uh, out of my drink. There it is. We're all done. All right. We're shut it all down. Um, recessions. <laughs> do the same things to businesses yeah, and mm-hmm. people that are super transactional and that are not really there to serve people yeah, because relationships are the only things that weather. They're the, they're the strong green branches that weather those storms yeah. and they stay. Yeah, they're going to move and it's not going to be fun, Sure, but all the dead branches, all the bad things are going to be cleared out. And so again, it's an opportunity. Mm. Recessions are an opportunity. There was a ton of transactions happening in 08 and 09 yeah. uh-huh. because people were buying, they were buying the snowblowers in winter. Right. In the summer, excuse me. They were buying the snowblowers yeah. in the summer. Things were on sale. If you're an investment advisor, like you said earlier, you know, you're buying wheelbarrow fulls instead of thimble fulls. Over the last five to 10 years, if you're, if you're investing, you were buying things at the height of their price. Yeah, that's right. And that's okay. Sure. Because now you're buying massive wheelbarrow fulls and you're buying them at the lowest point. Mm. And so you're exactly right. Things are going to keep getting transacted. It is a mindset and a perspective that there is massive opportunity in every scenario, in every situation. Will you remove, will you take a step back, detach a little bit, get out of the freaking recency bias, and just look at it for what it is? And you're right. If you build those relationships, you are that tree, you are the green branch, you're not the dead branch that's just waiting on a storm. They're, they're terrified of storms because they know the tide's going to go out, I've been skinny dipping, I ain't been treating people right, and things are about to get real. Yeah. That's simple, my friend. Man, that's so good. That's so good, man. Um, I do have a couple final thoughts. Something we didn't we didn't tackle today, and I okay. it's not really a totally a part of the friendmaker conversation as far as friendmaker with your clients. Yeah. Um, but you work for an organization that has employees, and yeah. so you have people that work underneath you. Sure. You're a person with responsibility and what have you, and uh, and so if if we're comparing the kind of relationship that you have with your clients Mm -hmm. to the kind of relationship you have with your employees. If you're in a position like you are where you're working with your manager over people, Mm -hmm. what is the dynamic of relationship there? Um, How does, can you be a friend with your employees and how does that work and what does that look like? I'm just, I'd be curious to speak into that a little bit. Yeah. um, Your people will treat their, your customers, how you treat them. If I treat my employees like crap, they're going to treat my customers like crap. Period. Mm. You can be their friend. Um, you have to be able to have different hats because you are uh, working with their compensation. You are working with their growth and development. You are working with discipline when, yeah. when and if needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I heard a story a long time ago about a guy whose son worked for him, and his son wasn't really a great employee right and uh, he knew that he needed to let his son go mm. but he had that dad relationship and so this guy went and saw his counselor and he said you know you gotta learn how to wear different hats and uh, so the son comes in and the dad is wearing a hat that says boss on it <laughs> and he said come in here James didn't call him son come in here James <laughs> James come in hey man your performance has been down we've been talking to you quite a bit and the son's kind of like what's happening right now you know <laughs> And he goes, we're gonna have to let you go. And the son kind of sits there, he's like, oh my gosh. 
So then the dad reaches over in his cabinet, pulls out his dad hat, and says, son, I heard you just got fired. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 you know, and, and it's one of those things. It's like yeah. there are different hats, but like yeah. the people need to know what hat you're wearing and when you're wearing it. You know, if we're out to dinner and I'm out with them, you know, I, yeah. I'm not going to talk about their key results area at work. You know, yeah. hey, Bob, mm-hmm. let's talk about your numbers while we're sitting here having a, a right. blooming onion at Outback, sure. you know, mm-hmm. with his wife. When we're at work, we're going to do that. When we're out, it's like, hey, we're going to take that boss hat off. And that doesn't mean that I let that guard down. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that anything goes. You can say anything you want. I can say anything I want because, no, there's still a relationship there. But I care about his family. I Mm -hmm. care about his kids. I care about him winning. I want to know what makes him tick. I want to know what his goals and desires and what he wants out of life. I want to know what fulfills that person. Didn't you do that same thing to your client? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just because someone's your friend and your client doesn't mean they can call your wife whatever they want to call them or say sure. something whatever. Right? You felt that, right? Yeah. Like I saw your eyebrows even mm-hmm. raised. Sure. That's the difference. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I want to treat. I want to treat them how I want my clients to be treated. Do you see? Um, do you see the the seven spheres being something that anybody in business can use with their own employees? Do you think that there's some crossover mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think uh, the first two and number four are the the thing i mean number number six is like a, a giving right again right sure. mm-hmm. but but uh first two and four so one two and four are probably the ones that if i was looking at a leadership mentality mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. do i know what makes you tick do i know what your primary goals are do i know uh like what fulfillment looks like mm-hmm. you know what that looks like asking questions yeah. right i want to seek to understand Mm-hmm. A lot of times bosses are great at telling people what to do, but they don't even know the questions I ask. And my grandfather used to say that all the time. And he goes, man, you got all the answers. You just don't know what the questions are. <laughs> you know, and it would be like that. And then number four is that loyalty. I mean, mm-hmm. the best leaders that I've ever had and that model the right type of leadership uh, is loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, I will go to the mat for you. I will fight for you. And even in a room when I know you're wrong, I will stand in front of you and take a shot, and then I'm going to pull you in that room, and I'm going to say, hey, my friend, (laughs) that's not going to happen again. But in that moment, I'm going to show what it looks like to dive in front of a bull. Every guy out there, you know, you know, you see the guy dive, and they they jump on the grenade. Everybody loves that story, Mm -hmm. because they love, they like, and even the Bible talks about that right now. Man, a person that would die for their friends. Sure. And your clients know that, and your employees know that, and people know when you dive on the grenade. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a leader, you got to look for those opportunities. Yeah. Like you're scouring the horizon for how can I jump in front of this so my people don't get hit. Mm-hmm. And then they know this this person. And then what do they do? They'll go to they'll do anything. They'll yeah. do anything for you because they know you have their best interest. You know, you you listen to them. You ask them amazing questions, and you will dive on the grenade for them. And when they know that about you, you are building an army of people that are going to go to war for you mm. in, the, in the world of business. Well, I feel like they'll reciprocate that back to you. That's what I mean, yeah. They'll start listening to you. They'll learn who you oh. are. They'll be loyal to you. They'll, they'll serve you, you know, mm-hmm. willingly. Yeah, and, and that whole listening and learning thing, there's a great statement out there that people follow <laughs> incentives, not advice. Mm-hmm. So if you're just chirping all the time yeah. and you don't show this, you're I can get my people to do anything. People are lazy. You know what, those Gen, those gen X or whatever they are, you know, anyway, we can blame it on a certain yeah. generation, like they're all that way. It's probably you. Uh-huh, yeah. 
matter of fact, I know what fact it is. So I can't help but tell you this because as I was reading through your, um, we didn't talk about your weaknesses on on this thing, but your your, <laughs> your 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 weak area was number three. I think was a sphere of liking. Yeah. So tell me what what was that? Where do you think that there's some room for improvement for you? Yeah, that's really great. Um, well, I think it was... Uh, do you not like people, Chris? <laughs> well, no, I do. I just don't like their actions. Um, it, it was one of those things where... Um, and I think one of the questions was like, you know, liking someone who's unlikable. Mm. Like stepping into that. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it, I, you know, go back to that statement of comfort crisis. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. Right. You know, we live in such a, a, a world now, like if you went back 200 years ago, you lived in a village. And if you didn't like somebody, you better figure it out. Oh, yeah. You can't just move. Get your head chopped off. You can't off. just go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, nowadays, you know, I don't, you know, we see this at churches. I don't like music. Great. There's 50 million other ones to go to. You know, well, well my boss is not exactly how I want him to do. Mm-hmm. And, well, I'll go get another job. We saw that with the Great Resignation, which is yeah. backfiring like you can't <laughs> believe right now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's all these things. And I think it's the same way. So my comfort crisis comes from, well, fine. I'll just move on. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't care. Right. And, and that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's a problem, right? Yeah. So I have to be able to look at it and say, um, what am I not willing to learn by stepping into that discomfort? Mm-hmm. And so there's a ma- major opportunity in there, like I was saying, yeah. yes and no, and then opportunities. Um, so that, that weakness uh, in myself uh, is probably cost me a lot. Mm. It probably cost me in growth. It probably cost me financially, relationally, you know, uh, when I don't step into that. Uh, every time I have stepped into that, there's major rewards on the other side of it. Again, once something appears and, and is uncomfortable, mm. we always run from it. Yeah. And every time I've stepped into it, I've won. So, yeah, I mean, and that, that's what I was telling you earlier is like being honest. Like, you're going to really take this survey. Uh, you know, you're always going to overcompensate and say, well, I'm actually really good at that. You know, right. I had three people in the last 39 years. <laughs> I've really not liked that I made like me. You know, so yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and so I just, yeah, I wanted to be honest with you. Yeah. Say, hey, yeah. And I appreciate that. And uh, we'll meet next week for more therapy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's good. Um, all right, man. Last last thing. Rapid fire bonus questions. Um, you don't have to. They don't have to be long answers. Just tell me what uh, answer. So, answer. So, here you go. Right what stirs you up, gets you excited, moves your heart? What stirs me up uh, is people who uh, operate in confirmation bias. That okay. I already know my answer. I don't care to learn about the other side. And we're going to see that in election season in about three weeks. Okay. Okay. What gets you excited? Uh, what gets me excited uh, is to see people operate in all of their strengths and just like be directly in the, uh, the I would say like the will of God, but also like just the thing that like just fires you up. I love mm. seeing people just in their lane and just mm. driving at 100 miles an hour. All right. What moves your heart? What moves my heart? Uh, I think to see like, um, think about like little kids who have not, that they just innately help somebody else so they do something like it's like it just shows you that like we're born with some level of like i see a problem i want to help or mm-hmm. like you know even you can see it in an animal you can see it. anything that like you're going that wasn't taught that just is who you are I like that empathy, empathy you yeah, see people yeah, absolutely. uh name your favorite movie and why 
Um, I would, well, I can't do that. I would do, uh, there's <laughs> You're two, not a movie watcher. You know, there's Star two, Wars. No, it's, no, it's not Star Wars. I do not like Star Wars. I've never watched it. Um, uh, well, this, this conversation is over. Yeah, that's, right. I, I like this. It's my podcast, my bad news. Um, I would say that there, uh, there's two. Um, I love Braveheart and I love Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Um, hunting. All right. Why? Um, Braveheart, I love. It's that sacrificial, like I was telling you earlier. It's yeah. that diving in front of the bullet. It's it's that you know you, you pissed off the wrong person, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fight for everything that's right, even in the face of death. Goodwill Hunting, I love that one because it it just shows that like you you see this guy that that has it all, mm-hmm. but he doesn't understand it. And he has sunken down. He sunk himself down to a level, and somebody had to step in and engage him and say, "Look, you're better than this. You have this. You can do this." And you know the the infamous statement that Robin Williams looks at uh, Matt Damon and basically says, "It's not your fault." Hmm. In our world, we love that statement right now. In that moment right there, he was saying, "Hey, you're operating in shame. Yeah, and that's not you. Hmm. That's not you. You can do this." And then he had to take the responsibility because even his buddies was like, dude, you need to get out of here. You need Mm -hmm. to move. He took responsibility for what he could control rather than taking the shame on of what he couldn't control that was holding him back in his life. I need to watch this movie again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. What keeps you up at night? Um, What keeps me up at night uh, is, I think it goes back to the lack of the desire for me personally, because I have many flaws as well, but the lack of the desire for people in our country to take personal responsibility. Yeah. Um, man, we can have so much potential. In the coaching world, we have this phrase that says, your performance, excuse me, your potential minus your interference equals your performance. Interference is like the mental hurdles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so if you have amazing potential and you minus your performance equals your, it equals your performance, potential minus interference equals performance. Our performance is so lackluster right now because our internal dialogue, our internal interference is just just totally destroying our potential as a country. Mm. I'm going to have to take notes on, I have to go back and listen to this. Um, finally, last one, what gets you up in the morning? Gets me up in the morning. Uh, I love the the smell of a new day. I love like that. Like we're gonna meet somebody somewhere. We're gonna do something. Somebody today is going to get help that wasn't gonna get help. They're they're waking up this morning massively despondent, hmm. and they're gonna land on something that we're gonna create today. They're gonna engage with something that we're gonna create today, and something's gonna be different when they go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. And I know that's gonna happen. Yeah. And I can't wait to get out there and go do it. That's so good, man. That's uh, That reminds me of Rich Litvin and his One Insight podcast. Oh, where yeah. That's what he talks about is just that one insight. If I can just get people to have that one insight. I feel like, you know, and I'm sure as folks are listening to this today, there might have been something along our conversation today that really gave somebody that one insight they needed um, to be able to kind of figure out whatever it was. There was something that just kind of clicked for them. Well, today, you can disagree you know? with information art. Sure. Once you see an insight, you cannot see it. No, you can't. Now you got to wrestle with it. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to deal with it. Yeah. That's the problem. Then you can say, well, I don't want to do that. That's ownership. Mm-hmm. Even if you find yourself today going, I know what he's saying, but I'm not doing that. Good. Yeah. Again, desire can build on a no. Hmm. When you believe you can't do something, you can always say, well, everybody else. So that's why an insight is so crucial over information. Hmm. 
Well, Chris, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you giving me your Saturday morning and it's early now. Um, appreciate your, uh, just your wisdom and your discernment and your experience. Uh, I think people need to hear that. That's important. So thanks again for listening to our podcast, for watching us. I uh, hope that you've gained something, gained that insight from gained us today insight. and, uh, and go out and be friend makers and we'll talk to you soon. Well, folks, that about wraps it up for today. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you were able to glean some great content out of our conversation today. I want to remind you again, please go to friendmaker.org if you'd like to pre-order a copy of my upcoming book, The Seven Spheres of a Friendmaker. If you'd also like to have me come speak, maybe you have a corporate event or a company uh, office sales meeting or something that you need somebody to come in and do one of these Friendmaker workshops with you, I would love to help you out with that. Go to friendmaker.org forward slash speaking where you can book having me come and do that. And finally, if you are interested in learning where you personally fall within the seven spheres framework, go check out friendmaker.org forward slash survey and take the seven spheres survey. It's 35 questions that you can go through and it'll basically help you figure out where are my strengths and where are my weaknesses within the seven spheres framework. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for next week's conversation. I appreciate you tuning in.